Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. You know, every time I talk about what's going on in the mean streets of Milwaukee with regard to crime, I inevitably get a couple texts or emails saying, oh, you're just, you're, you're being too harsh, Jeff. You know what? What you you gotta you gotta lighten up on the mayor. You know it, it's not that bad. And the truth is, there are areas in the city of Milwaukee that are incredibly safe, that are thriving, etc. And then there are areas that, well, well, candidly, that you just don't want to go into. Now, we before I left on my my river cruise a couple weeks ago, you had that story about the woman who was the correctional officer who was teaching her kid to drive and they're driving well, I think that was like around 51st and Capitol and it's 5:30 at night and they're heading to a store to buy him some clothes or something and they they get cut off by a guy who's a multiple felon and one thing leads to another. It's a fender bender accident and the guy pulls out a gun and executes this woman. She's dead in front of her 16-year-old son. And then we had the story late last week. I think this was Thursday night, 5th and uh, Center, approximately. You had the woman who was driving her car, had kids in the car, and a gun battle breaks out, and she's hit and killed. She's just driving down the street, and you've got two thugs on each side of the road that just decide they're going to shoot at each other. You want to talk about being the wrong place at the wrong time, but there you have this. Then there is the latest story. Yesterday morning, 56th and Capitol, 6 a.m., 6 a.m., 56th and Capitol, only a couple blocks from where the the, the lady who was the corrections officer was killed, 17-year-old girl, 6 a.m. Sunday morning, 4,000 block of North 56th Street, and again, that's about 56th and Capitol, 17-year-old involved in a fender bender, a crash with another car, minor traffic crash is how they describe it. So I don't know who was at fault, what the damage was. Um, she was shot. She was shot. What ended up happening is apparently there's this fender bender and one of the people um, in the car, and again, I don't know who's responsible for what. All I know is that somebody pulls out a gun and shoots the 17-year-old girl. So this is now, in Tom Barrett's Milwaukee, how we resolve fender benders in certain parts of the city. We pull out guns and shoot other people. And it's happening over and over and over again. And no... I do not apologize for saying that there are areas of Milwaukee that I think you're short, you're you're out of your mind if you are driving through. And we're not talking about two o'clock in the morning. We're talking about six in the morning. We're talking about five thirty at night because you have this criminal class that is just kind of taking over the streets. And I do not apologize at all for saying that. You know, interestingly. Um, uh, the, you've, you've got the police chief, um, Alfonso Morales, who I think has done a very, very good job. He is not apparently a favorite of Tom Barrett because the two, I'm told, don't see eye to eye on politics. Tom Barrett, very, very liberal Democrat. Uh, the police chief is not. 
you know, career law enforcement officer is not. And um, he has not been extended yet. I think most people agree that he's doing a pretty darn good job. He's done a great job with outreach to the community. He has been, I, I think, a leader at some very difficult times for the police department. And there's rumors out there that Barrett's um, all intent on replacing him. I, you know, who, who knows exactly what's going on? But if Morales is not retained, there's only going to be one reason, and that's because Tom Barrett didn't like the police chief's politics, which I guess would be consistent given the fact that, I don't know, you, you've got Barrett who apparently has one vision of what the city needs to look like, which is let's have trolleys downtown, and if it means that you can't drive on 51st and Capitol without being shot after a fender bender, he's willing to live with that. This story about... Uh, again, re-upping the police chief is a major story that bears watching. I mean, there's reports that are being denied saying that the mayor already has who he wants in mind to replace uh, the police chief. If this police chief is replaced, it would be a huge, huge disservice to the city of Milwaukee. All right, let us completely switch gears. Big weekend in Wisconsin sports. The uh, Brewers sweep the Pittsburgh Pirates. It was their Friday night. 10 to 1 game, big game, a lot of fun. Uh, the, the real the story is the Brewers, which are one of the two or three or four smallest market franchises in Major League Baseball, they darn near drew 3 million people. They, they drew 2.9 million people, and that's despite having, you know, kind of a so so record for most of the year. 2.9 million people is a testament to Miller Park, it is a testament to the Brewers organization, and it is a testament to Wisconsin, not just Milwaukee, but Wisconsin baseball fans. I always have maintained, and I did this going back to when we were having the whole Miller Park debate, that, um, Wisconsin, Milwaukee in particular, Wisconsin in general, it, it, this is a great baseball area. It, it just is. And I think what, you know, what a lot of fans have been waiting for is a product that is worthy of their their support and their interest. And the Milwaukee Brewers have certainly delivered. I freely admit I did not see this September coming, and I can't tell you how happy I am to have been wrong. I didn't see them going off on a 15-3 and run, but, you know, they're – they're, I think, overwhelming odds-on favorites to make the playoffs. You know how far they're going to go? Who knows? But I'm telling you, just getting into the playoffs, even if it's in the wild card, would be a huge. Would, would be just a, a huge accomplishment. And candidly, I haven't given up on the possibility of them perhaps overhauling the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, they've got to pick up three games with six games left, which means they probably have to win five out of six, and the Cardinals have to lose a few. But you, you just you just never know September baseball where it matters. That's absolutely great. So big, big day for the Brewers, big weekend, and six games left that will determine do they make the playoffs and where do they end up in the playoffs. Very, very exciting. And then, of course, you've got the Green Bay Packers win yesterday at Lambeau Field. Three wins, no losses. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. So big win. How far can the Packers go? Who knows? But again, you're, you're 3-0, and not much to complain about. So this is not a complaint per se directed at the Packers. But I did allude to this on on Twitter yesterday. Now, look, I, I appreciate that for years and years, I think the NFL was anal when it came to player celebrations and things like that. You know, they'd find the players for being 
exuberant. And that's why they used to call it the, the NFL was the no fun league. And, and I thought that that's fine. You know, you, you want to allow players to celebrate a little bit. If you're a baseball player and you hit that game winning home run, you want to see the players be excited about things like that. All right. So I, I get it. I think for a long time, the NFL went too far in not allowing players to celebrate. Now what the players, what the NFL has done, however, is that they have well, kind of gone to the opposite extreme. And almost every time there is, for example, a turnover, you know, the defense intercepts the ball or recovers a fumble. You you don't just have a little bit of a celebration like high five the guy that recovered it. What you have is these organized celebrations. Now, yesterday during the Packers game, they had, what, three turnovers. And I know I'm sure it was after all three. I just saw it after two. What happens is the defense Waits around. They have to wait around till the turnover is confirmed. Was it really an interception? Was it really a fumble, etc.? So you wait, you wait, you wait. And then once they get the word that, oh, it's been confirmed, everybody runs into the end zone. All 11 players on the team run into the end zone. Half of them slide. Half of them stand up. They pose. They, they do these things. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking Vince Lombardi is rolling over in his grave. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Sent out a tweet during the game yesterday. It might just be me, but candidly, I find the choreographed group celebrations following every NFL turnover to be more than a little tedious. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, I think the NFL for the longest time was a little bit, I, they were they were too far. They went too far in cracking down and not allowing people to celebrate. But now you've gone to the opposite extreme, where every time there is even a routine play, you get these monster demonstrations. And every time there's a touchdown, or every time there's a uh, turnover, you have these massive "Let's go pose, let's do this." I mean, just play the game. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. From a fan's perspective, we like the turnovers. Do you like watching the celebrations, or has it gone too far? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is going to be an interesting conversation. But before we get to the calls, let me share some of the, the text. Our text line exploded. Jeff, I was embarrassed each time I saw the group pose. I also didn't like the stomach crawl. My dad said we wouldn't have seen Ray Nitschke do that. It was tiring to watch. I felt they were all so immature. Thank you. I'm on your side. Uh, Jeff, this is the first time. This time I have to disagree with you. I love the celebrations. Watching the players having fun on the field makes the game more fun to watch. It is a game after all. And it was meant to uh, meant to be fun. Jeff, as a Lions fan, I can't help but remember Barry Sanders, and when he would score a touchdown, he would nonchalantly hand the ball back to the ref. To me, acting like you've been there before is a bigger statement. Jeff, totally agree. Too much showboating going on. They miss lots of tackles, and then they get a turnover and get all cocky about it. Jeff, it's staged and somewhat foolish, but the fans loved it, and it added to the experience of attending a game. It's different when you attend the game adds to the party atmosphere and frankly i thought it was fun now that's true i i was watching it at a bar on tv i was not at the game i will tell you the general sense of the folks in the bar who were drinking two buck beers with me was oh come on really 414-799-1620 let's start with mark and racine hi mark 
Hi, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. Okay, is it tedious or is this exciting to watch these celebrations? It's very sad. I mean, it's okay to celebrate, give a high five, pat them on the back, but that's taking it way too far. They, they need to act like professionals and, you know, act like they've done it before. Yeah, I, I guess I, I I agree too, and 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 maybe maybe if if it's if it's the play, you get that big interception in the end zone with thirty seconds left that's going to you know win the game and stuff. Okay, you know maybe maybe then, but but even then, you know, do you need that choreographed stuff? But my gosh, you score a touchdown or you recover a fumble three minutes into the game or something, and everybody's running into the end zone. I'm kind of like, give me a break. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, that, that's just taking it too far. Right. No, thanks. I, well, and and the other thing. Now, this I don't want to take myself too far off topic, but the other thing is, you know, some of these individual demonstrations, and and you know, you're, you're behind by thirty five points, and you get a sack, and then you got some guy that's dancing around and pretending like he's got the spoon and he's like eating cereal or whatever. Just okay, you're behind by thirty some points. I mean, for goodness sakes. But okay, again, this is. This is just me. Let's talk to Nathan in Wauwatosa. Nathan, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Real well, thank you. Do you like the celebrations? I do. A couple things here. The one is you, uh, you said act like you've been there before. Uh, well, those guys haven't, so give them a pass there. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Uh, but, yeah, but um, I think it brings some excitement to the game, and the game is changing. The players are changing. They're having fun. I don't think we should crack down on that. And, hey, here's one for you. If they're bragging and putting themselves out there as the best, I bet they're going to work hard to keep that up so they don't get embarrassed. Well, no, thank, thanks for calling. Well, you, you would think that there, there would, that would be the thing. Now, a couple of people are saying, well, how do you feel about the Lambeau Leap? And the truth is... I, I don't mind the Lambeau Leap. And I don't, as I said at the start of this, I don't mind a bit of celebrating. I think the, the NFL w- was too harsh in not allowing people to do some celebrations and stuff. And I'm one of these guys that, believe it or not, loves to watch English Premier League soccer. And after they score goals, you have the guys that celebrate and things like that. But But some of that... That's not what this is. I mean, these are here. Let's work out the poses that we're going to have, and then let's do the choreography. And and let's and and to me, it's kind of like okay, why, why don't you save that again? I I would use the word tedious, uh, Jeff. I agree with you wholeheartedly. The celebrations are way over the top. It drives me crazy. Um, that is what they are paid for. They get paid handsomely to get the job done. Well, again, if I make a sale at work, I don't dance around my office celebrating what I am paid to do. Yeah, we're going to be dancing around the office and we're going to be posing and all. And again, I don't have any problem with a little bit of with a little bit of fun. Let's talk to Larry in Elkhorn. Larry, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you today? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. My comment is, you know, I think it starts with the coach. The coach needs to let these players know that, you know, we need to get out there and show respect to the people. And some of the things that they do in the end zones, you know, act like adults. Yeah. Act like, they act like kids. Well, and, and there's nothing, I mean, they, I, mean I guess, see, there, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of celebrating. And, and I understand some people are saying, well, where do you draw the line? And I guess, I mean, just like pornography, maybe it's tough to describe, but... But it, it's one thing to be doing a little bit of dance and to spike the ball and stuff. Oh, okay, that that's fine. 
But now we've gone completely to the other side. The pendulum has swung completely the other side where you have like these orchestrated things and, and you're doing it up on routine sort of plays. Yeah, it's great that you recover the fumble or made the interception and stuff, but you're going to run 50 yards into the end zone and you're going to do some sort of pose. I mean, okay, you know, there, there's still a game to be had. Mike on the south side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Mike. Hi, Mike. Yes, Jeff. Yes, sir. Uh, I like it. Okay. Uh, I like it because I think it's going to result in us getting more turnovers. It was a Wisconsin sports weekend. Number eight, Wisconsin Badgers football. Go ahead. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, then that's that's it. Right. As a matter of fact, I didn't even mention that huge win over Michigan. And, you know, anytime you beat a Jim Harbaugh team, I'm, I'm cool with that as well. So a huge weekend. And, look, I, I understand that this is kind of some people are pointing out that it's the, you know, it's, it's kind of the video game mentality and all that type of stuff and the, the trash talking and things like that. And I just, I, again, I, I want it to be a fun experience. I, I want people to enjoy themselves. I want the players to play with exuberance, like the players to perhaps make some tackles as well. But that's another thing. That That's another issue. I just personally think that the group celebrations, the NFL would be wise to kind of dial them back a little bit. Just, I mean, every time there's an incomplete pass, every time there's a sack, do you need 11 people to line up and, and pose? Just, again, Act like you've been there before. And I do wonder, as the year goes on, and I'm going to start to watch it, is it a reflection of, of the coach? Are there teams that are more likely to allow this to go on than other teams, or is this just something that everybody does? And I don't know the answer to it. But, again, I, I don't, I'm glad the Packers won, and I'm glad they had turnovers. Lord knows I'm glad they've had a whole bunch of turnovers this year. That's a good thing. That leads to winning games. It's just, okay, every time you have a turnover, do you need to run 50 yards and pose? That's my issue. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Fall in Love with Your Home Showcase is Serta Pro Painters. That's Serta with a C. Serta Pro Painters say, we do painting, you do life. All right. Is this the end for Donald, for Donald Trump? After three-plus years of investigations and angst, is this the thing that is going to break the Trump administration wide open? Is this the thing that's going to cause Donald Trump to have to resign in disgrace or be impeached? I think not, but we will discuss. Now, obviously, the mainstream media thinks that this is the this is the smoking gun. We we now we now have the evidence that Donald Trump has committed crimes and misdemeanor and or misdemeanors sufficient to impeach him. Um, the administration, if you read the New York Times, is reeling. If you read the Washington Post, it's reeling. The New York Times has, and I counted this up over the weekend so you didn't have to do it, they have eight reporters working on this story. The Washington Post has at least seven reporters working on this story. This is, at least in their minds, this is the big deal. This is going to be the thing that brings down Donald Trump. Well, is it? If you haven't been following this, let let me kind of make sense about what apparently happens. You have Donald Trump, who is on a phone call with a Ukrainian leader. All right. Now, the Ukraine has been a hotbed of political intrigue for years and years and years. 
Now, when you have the president on one of these phone calls, and I, I don't know that a lot of people know this, all sorts of people listen in on the phone call. I mean, it's not illegal wiretapping and stuff, but you have all sorts of people, you know, from the National Security Agency and foreign policy experts. People listen into the conversation so they can hear what the president says, so they can hear what, in this case, the, the foreign leader says, and they make notes of these things. So it's, it's a monitored call. President Trump knows it's monitored. The Ukraine president knows it's monitored. There are people listening in. During a conversation, now this is what the reports are, during a conversation with the Ukraine president, and Ukraine, the Ukraine has had a huge problem with corruption. And candidly, I mean, it's not, Donald Trump is not in love with the Ukraine government. Donald Trump believes that the Ukraine government was kind of in bed with Hillary Clinton and the Democrats in presenting a lot of this information that ended up starting the whole Russian thing. That So he's not in love with the Ukraine government. The Ukraine government has had a huge problem with corruption for years and years. According to the allegations, during this monitored phone call, where there's all sorts of people listening, President Trump apparently says to the Ukraine president, I think what you should do, and I'm paraphrasing here, get with Rudy Giuliani, my, my lawyer, and, and you guys should be looking at you know, Joe Biden and Joe Biden's kid who worked as a lobbyist for this firm in the Ukraine and, and look at, at what they were doing and you know their, their connection to corruption. So the, the, the interpretation of this worst-case scenario would be you've got the president of the United States telling another world leader, hey, you should investigate one of my potential political opponents. All right, that's, that's what the allegation is. And, of course, apparently there's one of the people that's listening in says, oh, this is terrible, and then you know files this whistleblower complaint saying this is what the president was doing, and then it ultimately gets leaked to the papers, and then you're off to the races. All right, so now you have the Nancy Pelosi's of the world saying, all right, th- this is the case. What we need to do, if it's really true that the president of the United States was suggesting to another leader that, hey, you should investigate one of his political opponents, and there is an implication that the U.S. was going to withhold uh, arms to the Ukraine, you know, withhold certain arms shipments and things like that, and less than until they did it. So here you have, oh, this is it. This is impeachable. It is the quid pro quo. Now, you know, now this is going to bring down Donald Trump. And you have Nancy Pelosi, who has been resisting impeachment because I think she thinks it's a political loser, now saying, you know, maybe, maybe we need to look at this. All right. There is an election that is going to be coming up. We are now at the end of September. So October, 13 months and a couple days from now, we are going to have an election to decide who the next president is going to be. The fundamental question to me is, how do we want to spend that next 13 months? Is impeachment... If you decide, okay, this is it, we want to go full-blown, we want to look at what the president said, we want to look at what the Ukraine, the president of Ukraine said, we want to try to determine was there some quid pro quo, et cetera, et cetera. All right, is this the smoking gun? Is this how we should be spending the next 13 months um, of the Trump presidency trying to, uh, again, 
figure out, should we remove President Trump? All right, is this the smoking gun? Do we need to start impeachment inquiries, or do we just let the electoral process play out? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I also have some thoughts about what actually went on on this call as as well, and it's not flattering to anybody that's involved. But all right, is this the smoking gun? Do you want to see Congress start full-blown impeachment proceedings? 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Wall Street Journal has an interesting editorial today. It kind of says like a pox on both your houses. What uh, about President Trump engaging in this phone call? This is what they write. What we know of the call underscores Mr. Trump's greatest flaw as president, which is his political narcissism. Every decision boils down to how it affects him or his reelection prospects. Other presidents have made similar calculations, but Mr. Trump lacks the basic filter to know when he is crossing a line that creates trouble for himself or the country. I, by the way, agree with that. Now, do I think that there's anything in here based on what we know thus far that creates an impeachable offense? No. Do I think pursuing impeachment 13 months before the election is something that not only is it going nowhere, but will in all likelihood result in some blowback by, I think, maybe undecided voters? Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. Does it play into Trump fatigue? Yeah, it it, it does. 414-799-1620, which, again, doesn't mean that... You just look at some of these things, and if this conversation did occur, like at least some people suggest it did, you do kind of roll your eyes and say, what was the president thinking or not thinking? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Freddie in Milwaukee. Freddie, you're first. Hello. Yeah, yeah thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, okay. All right. Now, now this kind of really blows my mind, and it brings back a lot of stuff. When he has these closed-door meetings with no one in there, with Putin, and with Kim. Yep. All right? Now, what the heck is he talking about? And then he comes out of the meeting with Putin, and he says, no, no, there was no meddling in our in our election because I, I, take, right. I take Vladimir Putin's word, and he's a nice guy. Right. And this is one of the most evil people walking around the face of the earth. Yep, yep. No, I, I, th- I mean, th- thanks. To, I mean, look... He, he, I, I see. I I I agree. Do I do I think, based on the reports that are out there thus far, that there's an impeachable offense here? No. Do do I think that once again you have like the latest sort of okay? Let, this this time we we've got him. No, I I don't think that's the case either. At the same time. Do I think it is advisable for the president of the United States to be saying, hey, you know, you, you should really be looking at uh, one of my top political opponents, one of his kids. We, we think maybe that there's some, you know, stuff going on here. And we think that maybe, you know, uh, Joe Biden, when he was vice president, we think there was an interest when you know he might have intervened to have a vice president of Ukraine, you know, replaced or something like that. I, I, I just if if you're if you're talking and advising to president trump you'd like to shake him and say just stay away from this whole conversation you know it's not all about you and you know your re-election efforts i I think that's a legitimate criticism having said that i I think i just don't think the american people have a stomach for impeachment over something like this 13 months before an election 414-799-1620 let's talk to lewis on the south side lewis you're on wtmj Wow, uh, Jeff, we could never be so far apart in our entire lives. 
Uh, for one, this is a second or third hand account. Yep. There is no, no actual first hand account of this conversation whatsoever that is in, in this news story. Also, uh, the news from the New York Times, no one listens to. They said planes took out the Twin Towers, not terrorists. So they've lost all credibility and sanity. And the other thing is, is we do have Joe Biden bragging. This is on tape. This is an interview mm-hmm. where he brags that he demanded that the Ukraine get rid of the prosecutor that was prosecuting uh, his son's company that he was board of directors on making $50,000 a month. So your, your take on this is if we really pursue this, you think it's going to go it's going to break bad for Biden more so than it'll break bad for Trump. I want Trump to investigate this. I Trump did the right thing here. And yes, Joe Biden is done. Like in 1987, when Joe Biden had to pull out of the race because of plagiarism, he is done for for good now on this. Okay, thanks, Nicole. Well, it'll it'll be interesting to to see, and that's that's why you know Biden has been perhaps more quiet than some other people have been because right, if if you do go down this particular rabbit hole, um, the the underlying question becomes why. Why was Trump, you know, is there is there something that, you know, they, they should really investigate about, again, Joe Biden's behavior back when he was the vice president? The, the problem, again, with, with President Trump doing this, especially if it's tied into some quid pro quo, hey, we're going to hold up, uh, you know, potential, um, you know, arms stuff. We're going to delay aid to the Ukraine. Um as a result, we're waiting for you to do this investigation. Now, there's a lot of people that deny that there was any sort of quid pro quo. My sense of the whole thing is it's going to just be a giant mess. It's just going to be a giant mess. You're never going to get to the bottom of exactly what happened in this particular thing. And it's certainly not going to be something that's going to be a basis for impeachment. I mean, that's my my sense of it. You know, could President Trump have avoided this whole thing by, by not you know, when you if you want to talk about you know investigating corruption in the Ukraine, that's of course a very legitimate issue. Why do you have to insist that okay, we we want you know, to investigate you know the behavior of one of my top political rivals? That's where I think you know you raise all sorts of questions. But does this country have the stomach for impeachment thirteen months before an election over that issue? Uh, I, I just think not. Let's talk to Dan on the South Side. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, how are you doing today? I'm Dan? good, Dan. What do you think? Well, a couple of things. I, I disagree with you on a couple of things you're just saying about. But here, I, I got to make a comment about your last caller and what he said about uh, the uh, Biden thing and everything. Let me ask you this question: What about Trump's daughter and that going to China and making money off of that? Uh, fair play. Do we investigate Trump's daughter and his family? Well, I mean, Trump's uh, President Trump's daughter and family have been the subject of multiple type of investigations. I guess let me ask you this. The election is coming up in 13 months. Let, let's just kind of cut to the chase. Do you want to see us spend the next six, seven, eight months um, in a Congress tied up in an impeachment hearing that is a practical matter is going nowhere because you need two thirds of a votes. You need you need 16, 17, 18, however many Republicans to vote for it. And it's not going to happen. As I was talking to your listener, uh, that's not going to impeachment's not going to happen. I right. don't see that. But let me ask you that. I mean, you're asking me that. How much is how much is this guy going to do? I mean, he's actually said I could get away with murder, and nobody would do nothing about it. This guy has done some bad things. I, I my view, he's done some bad things, and nothing's going to come out of it. He could probably run his presidency all the way to 2020, get away with things, 
I'm not going to get that. Am I not correct? Well, I, I mean, thanks to call. There, there's, there's no question. There is no question that people's attitudes on President Trump are 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 dug in. <laughs> There's just no question about it. And I, you know, somebody asked. I was doing a, a like a little town hall thing. I was answering questions, and I was kind of talking about my job in the era of, of President Trump. And I just said, you know, th- there's no nuance anymore. I mean, people either think President Trump is the Antichrist or they think that he is a victim of the mainstream media. And there's just no in-between. And if I say stuff that's that's uh, positive about him, well, then I'm just a Republican stooge. And if I say stuff that's critical of him, well, then go work for MSNBC. You'll be happier. There's just no middle ground at all. In this particular situation, do I think impeachment is wise? My answer is no. Do I think impeachment would be a huge distraction for the country? The answer is yes. Do I think that this is going to be another thing that's going to be baked into the reelection campaign? Yes. My point is you've got 13 months to go. The American public will decide in November of 2020. And that's, I think, where we, we need to leave this at this time. That's just my take. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Say it ain't so. Are they thieves? All right, Eric Bilstead, why don't you play Name That Tune? All right, okay, we're going to play this tune. Identify it as soon as you can, okay? Okay. All right, fire it up, group. Ah, it's the uh, Led Zeppelin tune. Stairway to Heaven. Stairway to Heaven, right, good. All right, you can name that tune in three notes. Let it play, I want you to hear it. goes on it, it, it's about it's about seven or eight minutes yep, yep. all right um the song has three sections um and it is a it's a court look what 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 i know about music you can you know put in a thimble but i mean it, it's it's what they call a chord um a chord progression um and you know there, there's there, the truth of the matter is there's only so many notes and there's only so many chords. I mean, there are. <laughs> yes, okay. And, and so, right, and, right. and so, what happens is a lot of times when you have the, these chord progressions, um, you you can you can, for example, trace some of those songs and some of those those chord progressions, which is what this is. I mean, you can trace it back to minstrels, you know, in the twelve and thirteen hundreds. That the song "Stairway to Heaven," which many people believe is the greatest rock and roll song of all time, um, sold millions and millions of copies. Three sections. Um, each one progressively increases in tempo and volume, begins in the slow tempo with acoustic instruments, a uh, guitar and a recorder, then electronic instruments, and the final section is an up-tempo hard rock arrangement. Okay, Stairway to Heaven, 1971, appeared on Led Zeppelin's fourth record, and um, it's composed by Jimmy Page and Robert Plant of, of Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Why do I bring this up? Because this song has been the subject of ongoing litigation for the last several years. I will play the song from 1968 by a, a, a the group was called uh, Spirit. The song is called Taurus, T-A-U-R-S. During the lifetime of the composer of the song Taurus, the guy always said, hey, plant and page ripped me off. 
but never did anything about it because you know, they, they, they kind of ripped me off. After the guy dies, his estate files a lawsuit suing Led Zeppelin for big money, millions of dollars, saying they ripped off they, they ripped off this song. The matter went to trial a few years ago in California. A jury in California said, no, it wasn't a ripoff. No, 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 you don't have to pay. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, a three-judge panel, reversed that two years ago and said, no, you got to go back. We have to have a new trial. The judge screwed up. The judge made all these mistakes. I bring this up today because today in California, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is holding what they call an en banc hearing, which means it's not just a three-judge panel. It's all the members of the court are hearing this appeal. So the question becomes, are they going to uphold the jury verdict? Are they going to send it back for a new trial? What are, are they going to do? And potentially millions and millions of dollars are involved. Got it? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Okay, all right. So now now here. You're going to play it now? Okay, here. Now let, let's go back. You, let's play Stairway to Heaven again, the, the beginning things. Okay, so this is Stairway to Heaven, 1971, by uh, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. What I know about music, you know, is 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 limited, but th- what you're hearing there, they talk about it being a, a progressive guitar chord progression with a descending bass line of, of moving through the different chords. Okay, so that's All right. that's it. All right, this is the 1968 song by a psychedelic rock group called um, Spirit. That, that the song is called Taurus. Okay, so here's the song. Pretty close. And then it moves on from there. But yeah, then it comes back to it. Right. Okay, so let it go for a minute. Okay. It's like this off, not stairway to heaven for about 15, 20 seconds, and then it comes back into that same progression. Okay. exactly the same okay and then then, then it goes on from there if but you would have played that first everyone would have been like oh that sounds like stairway to heaven yeah. it's and now and then the rest of the song goes on and it and it's it's different now um the again the the issue those 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 are chord progressions which are kind of like common chord progressions and um the the, the guys at led zeppelin say you know, we, we, we came up with it. This is a common sort of thing. You know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, we heard it, but like I say, minstrels have been playing this mm-hmm. kind of chord progression. Um, it's unclear whether they heard the song or not, although um, that, that really didn't kind of, kind of come out at the trial. But 
All right, I thought this would be interesting. We have now played the, these tunes. Um, the one song, arguably the most popular rock and roll song of in history, arguably. The other one, a song that my guess is nobody's ever heard of before. The estate of the guy that wrote the 1968 song is now saying, hey, they ripped us off. We should be entitled to, you know, we should be entitled to money. Clearly, they sound similar. There's no question about it, Eric. I'm with you. You can't listen mm-hmm. to those and not say, okay, there's similar notes and things like that. At the same time, it is only – it's that early riff. You know, it's it, the songs go on in different directions. But, boy, I don't know. It, it, it's more than just like a, a coincidental chord or two. I mean, it's it's following a similar pattern all the way through. And this happens, by the way, this has happened before. There's been uh, Sam Smith, who's a big singer now. He got caught – Stealing oh, sure. a lick from Tom Petty not that long ago, and it, and if you listen to that, it's they're not that close, but they're kind of close. It's it's how you construct it, how you build it, and how it sounds. And boy, those oh no, those well there, there's been me. I mean right, and there, there's been you know several of these you know recently some of these high profile things, and and what they'll say is, look, I, there, there's no question that musicians play, you know, homage to, to earlier sure. musicians. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you have riffs, oh, that sounds like, you know, that sounds like Bo Diddley, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so, yep, yep. okay, all right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? Did Led Zeppelin rip off this unknown performer back in 1968 with Stairway to Heaven, and should they pay? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Interestingly, one of the issues at the trial um, that, that's generating questions of error is apparently the judge didn't let the jury do what I just did, which is play the songs back to back. They had just the sheet music, you know, showing the note progressions of this. I'm just telling you, that's what happened. They just they had the sheet music um, showing the note progressions, and, and that's what the argument was. They never, the jury never heard the songs like we just did. Okay, did Led Zeppelin rip off? The group Spirit. 414-799-1620. What do you think? We discuss in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, the interesting thing, too, is that this band that nobody's ever hear, heard of, Spirit, they did tour with Led Zeppelin in, like, the late 60s. And so the argument is, hey, the folks at Led Zeppelin, they had to hear this particular song. So consciously, unconsciously, they, they ripped off this chord progression. All right. What do you think? 414-799-1620. Let's start with John in Brookfield. John, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Fun topic. Um, I think... What needs to be considered is what defines the song. In my opinion, that's melody, so like what we're talking about here with the chord progression. Right. And there's lyrics and there's song structure. And only one of the three categories here is checking any boxes regarding similarities, because the lyrics and the uh, actual structure of the song, as far as I know at least, and I've heard the Led Zeppelin song plenty of times, don't overlap. So I think it's money-grabbing. If the guy was really ripped off, he probably would have sued in his lifetime. Wouldn't be as estate to it now. Well, it's, anyway, and I and apparently the, the story is the guy said, he, for years he said, yeah, they, they, they ripped off, you know, they ripped off, you know, the, the start of my song. But he was just, my, I, I guess I wonder how often this goes on in the industry. Because like I say, there's only there's only a limited number of chords that, that you can have and, and notes. Um, and I guess to me, 
to the same point you raise, at what point in time, you know, is, is there overlap without it necessarily being an, an actual, you know, actionable ripoff? Yeah, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Debbie in Elkhorn. Debbie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Great topic. I think you cannot uh, patent dance moves. You can't patent tones. There's only 13 tones altogether, eight in the major scale. How many different ways can they arrange them? Right, 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 right. So... Um, and it, and it's clearly, it's not the whole song, but it, it does appear that that chord progression, that riff, it does sound, Very if not similar. the same, it sounds, sounds similar. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But they're taking maybe the one, four, five chords, or I probably have the numbers wrong, but there's, now they're inverting the order of which tones in that chord are, which is your invaded, inverted right uh, baseline and how many times can you do that but they had their chance to make their song awesome and great and everybody buy it but led zeppelin got it done right so you just you don't think there's enough in your mind there's not enough similarity to say okay th- this is a ripoff and it's copyright infringement and they stole the song Ye- well no i don't because you can't copyright a dance move and you i wouldn't think you can copyright a certain way chords grass Got it. Okay, thanks for the call. See, it's inter- our, our text line is exploding. Jeff, it's su- they. Um, uh, let's see, it's it's a different intro. You don't just play something that exact and then say you you made it up. So they're saying clearly uh, the intro is a ripoff. Sam says it's close, but it's not the same note for note. Um, you know, there was a band called Starcastle in 1974. Their music sounds just like Yes, even. Yeah, no, there's there, there's no question. There's there, there's a lot of stuff. And, of course, this is coming to the fruition because, if you might remember, Robin Thicke, um, there, there was a um, – there was a lawsuit about against Robin Thicke, the, the song Blurred Lines, um, Dark Horse, which was a Katy Perry hit. Um, she ended up having to pay a Christian rapper. The allegations were that that was a ripoff. Now, of course, what's different is those are more contemporary. This is a song that, you know, that goes back to 68 and 1971. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jeff in Florida. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. It's your old friend, Jeff, in Clearwater, Florida. Yes, sir. Okay, what do you think about this? Okay, well, here's here's where I'm at. Um, I was kind of, you know, on the fence on this topic until I came across the following fact. And now I'm totally on um, Spirit's side, and the fellow who wrote it is the late Randy California, mm-hmm. the leader of Spirit. Uh, here's the fact. Led Zeppelin, on their first, very first American tour when nobody knew who they were nobody knew who rob you know planet right. or, or or page was they opened for spirit on a west coast tour they were together for about 45 days on the west coast it and and taurus was a you know rather popular song for spirit at the time there's no doubt and i i I used to be a rock photographer. I used to be backstage, not not on that tour, right? Sure. Around, and there's no doubt in the, in a small backstage setting that Plant and and uh, and and Page heard would have heard that song. Sure, that. they had to. Now I'm not crucifying them. You know, it it sinks into your psyche. You hear it, and you know, it it even happened to the Beatles. They they you know, in the back of their mind, there's a tune, but um, 
I think where where Page and Plant went off the rails is where, you know, they as gentlemen, you know, they didn't say, you know what, we were wrong. We should we should give some credit, some money to to the estate. Do, do you because, think there's a do you think there's enough similarity throughout the entire song, not not just the, that that opening chord riff, but throughout the entire song to to classify it as a ripoff? Well, I'm not a musician, but I'm a hardcore, you know, music nut freak, mm -hmm. rock freak, having, you know, worked in the industry. And, um, I mean, that, that, that riff, that opening riff is such a principal part of the song. You know, it's, it's, it, it's really the core of the song. I right. Think. Oh no! It's what makes it recognizable. That's why when I when Eric Bosa, we, we, he was able to name that song in the first three or four notes. I mean, everybody hears that, and you know it's "Stairway to Heaven," right? Indeed. Interesting. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Um, I, I I find this to be fascinating, and, and again, I part of it is I I the the trial. Like I say, one of the the judge wouldn't let them li wouldn't let the jury listen to the songs. It was just purely based on on the notes, which I guess I find odd. There's all sorts of nuances of copyright law as to how much protection you you get. I will say this, and this is just purely from my perspective as a layperson. I hear those songs, and I agree with our our last caller, Jeff. I, I mean. It, it's not like there's just some, you know, first of all, it, it seems to me that they're identical. Just as a layperson, just listening to it, it seems like they are identical. Um, I, they strike me as being, it strikes me as being a unique sort of chord progression. And I, I guess I also think it's a defining thing. It's not just something that's stuck like in the middle of a song or something. It is the thing that defines the song. Um, a jury though found no ripoff, but they didn't get a chance to hear the song. I don't know. I think given all the money that Led Zeppelin's made, this might be one where you just kind of settle it and you offer to pay some money to the estate and then you kind of move on. But the Ninth Circuit, like I say, full court, is hearing this today, trying to decide if the judge made errors of fact or errors of law. And I'll keep you updated on it. You yourself can decide whether, at least in your mind, you think Led Zeppelin ripped off perhaps the most famous song ever in rock and roll history. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. WTMJ listeners and fans, join us next Monday at September 30th for a new signature event, WTMJ 2020. There will be newsmakers, politicians, sports owners, and many more discussing the trends and issues that will shape the coming year. Be a member of our live radio audience at this free all-day event. It takes place at the Northern Lights Theater inside the Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino. It's WTMJ 2020, presented by Annex Wealth Management, Acunet Mortgage and Realty, and Hall Imports, brought to you by Professional Construction, Inc. More details available at WTMJ.com slash WTMJ dot uh, slash 2020. I am, uh, I, again, I, I'm, I'm following this Led Zeppelin case just because as a, as a fan of music in general and rock and roll music in particular, I, I am kind of fascinated by this because you, you do wonder where it goes. So much of music is derivative. You know, you listen to tunes that come out today and you hear, you know, riffs that clearly it's Buddy Holly or it's Chuck Berry or it's Bo Diddley. And then you then you sit and you listen. You can hear that, say, like in music of the 70s. And then, you know, you listen to music that's coming out today and you say, boy, that sounds like Bob Seger or, you know, that that's a riff. I, I swear I heard it. That sounds like a Creedence song or something like that. You, you do all these different types of things and you wonder, given that music is inherently derivative 
and you know country music same sort of thing you know these you know all the chords again kind of sound the same to me as a layman somebody who doesn't appreciate it at what point in time does does the song go from well uh, something that that clearly draws from someone else's song that's gone before versus at what point does it become a complete and total ripoff and uh, that that's why i think this is so very interesting and i will tell you lots of people in the music industry are watching this case very very closely because if the jury's verdict is reversed um, it, it really is going to open the door for lots more litigation. Um, and again, keep in mind, I mean, Stairway to Heaven is a song from 1971, and the original song that's the question is 1968. If you can now go back and file lawsuits, you know, from 40 and 50 years ago about, you know, was this a ripoff, you, you can just imagine what this is going to do to the whole area of copyright. So I'm fascinated with that. All right. There is a Republican legislator out of Marshfield. His name is John Spiros Spiros. He is drafting legislation which would expand the state's hands-free law. So we call this segment, Put Down the Damn Phone and Drive. Right now in Wisconsin, it is illegal to text while you drive, right? All right. In addition, it is illegal in Wisconsin to use a cell phone holding it up to your ear. You have to be hands-free in work zones, but only in work zones. So no texting, period, while you're driving, and no cell phone use in work zones. The legislator out of Marshfield wants to expand the state's hands-free law, which, again, currently only applies to work zones, to include all roadways. This would be a substantial tightening of the law now in uh, let's see uh, all told there were 8,500 inattentive driving convictions last year all right last year they estimate that 400 uh, we in, last year in Wisconsin here's the numbers there were 426 roadway fatalities 87 um, for 87 of those 426 inattentive driving was listed as a possible circumstance now, we don't know how many of those 87 uh, were as a result of you know people being on their cell phones, but the numbers are 87 out of 426. I also don't have the numbers as to forget fatalities, you know, how many injuries were there, how many accidents were there as a result of people being distracted while they were driving. As of 2017, 15 states had hands-free laws. 12 of those states saw a decrease in fatalities within two years after the passage of this legislation. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let us tee this up. Where are you on this particular issue? We in Wisconsin have been moving gradually towards becoming hands-free. Like I say, no texting is allowed under any circumstances, and you got to be hands-free if you are in work zones. The technology has changed over the years. Most of the newer cars that are being made have that Bluetooth technology in them, making it you know easy or easier for people to operate hands-free. Do we need to, figuratively speaking, bite the bullet once and for all and say, in Wisconsin, if you're going to drive and you're going to talk on the phone, that's okay, but it's got to be hands-free. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
is it time to become the 16th or the 17th state that goes exclusively hands-free? 414-799-1620. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. But what do you think? Is, is, it, is it time to just say, look, distracted driving is too much of a problem. Let's... Let's say if you want to talk on the cell phone while you're driving, that's okay, but you got to do it hands-free. 414-799-1620. Is this an idea whose time has come? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right, Minnesota has just gone hands-free. Illinois has been hands-free for the last three years or so. Um, 16 states, 15 or 16 states are. There's a Republican legislator who's saying, look, it's time for us to do this in Wisconsin. We're not saying you can't talk on a telephone while you drive, but if you're going to do it, it has to be hands-free. Good idea, bad idea. I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a moment, but let's start with Dwayne and Trevor. Dwayne, you're on WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Dwayne. Afternoon, rather. Sorry about that. So, so I believe that it's the thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Public safety, all that happy stuff, right? Okay. My question is, once you're on the phone, um, I have. To, how did you get there? Did you answer the call, or did you thumb through your phone or thumb through your dash to make that call? Well, I think, or or did you just, or did you just say, hey, call so and so? You know, um, but chances. Yeah. But I mean, my my guess is, I'm trying to think of. I mean, typically, I'll just typically I'll just um, I'll hit the button if I get in. I typically don't make calls um, when I'm driving, but if I get the incoming call, I just hit the button on the dash, and it and it's right there for me. Yeah, that's how I typically do it. Sure, and, and and I think that's what most of us do. Right, and I think there's a certain demographic, right, that is more more able to use that speech to talk or text thing that says, you know, hey, phone call, Bob. Right. So I think there's a certain. So are, are you my, saying are you are you saying younger people are better than older people at doing that? Is that the demographic reference would, you're making? <laughs> I would never say that old people can't do things. Okay. Well, good, good. So on, on behalf of all of us older people or people getting older, appreciate that. No, thanks. I get it. And look, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you where I come down on this, and this is one where my position has evolved over the years. In the beginning. In the beginning, I used to argue, hey, distracted driving is distracted driving. And, you know, there, there's all sorts of things that distract people, um, you know, eating McDonald's French fries and, you know, all, uh, kids screaming in the back seat, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, you know, you, if you're going to be distracted, you know, why do we identify, why do we take off, you know, one particular category of distracted driving and do we need extra rules? Okay, that's the argument that I made for years and years, and there's still some degree of validity. I will say this, though. Given how prevalent the hands-free technology is nowadays and how it's, it's hooked up for so many, many cars and how, again, there's no question in my mind, I, so many different times when I see people driving irresponsibly and, and you look and they've got the phone gear, you know, stuck to their ear, I guess I am starting to come around and thinking, okay, maybe, maybe from a public safety perspective, maybe this is the way to go. And, um, you, you can't, you can't deny the numbers. It is safer, you know, when you go hands free. 414-799-1620. And if it's a good idea to do it in work zones, I guess my question is, why isn't it a good idea to do it 
everywhere. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Steve in Oconomowoc. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Steve. Yeah, uh, I do support uh, the hands-free 100%. I see too many people out there that are driving erratically um, when they're not when they're uh, on their phone. And I'd be curious to find out, you spoke about the um, distracted driving laws that are already in place. Right. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'm wondering, like, what if that percentage has rose significantly since there has been cell phones or if it's Oh, oh, yeah, going back, right, because I, I have the number, and I don't, that's an interesting thing. I have the number showing the number of fatalities has gone down since they've gone hands-free in those states. But, yeah, what what the numbers are, going back to the pre-cell phone days, I guess just intuitively, though, Steve, if you see the same thing I do, cell phones are a distraction. I think it would be hard to argue that we, we don't perhaps have more examples of fender benders and stuff because of inattentive driving because people are on their cell phones. I mean, I see it all the time. Yeah, and the one other other thing that I would add too is that if you have kids in the car with you, it's not really setting a very good example for them either. Right. That you're you're fiddling with your phone while you're driving. Yeah. That well, shows them that when they get to that age to, where they can drive, that that's okay for them to do the same thing. Yeah. No. no I would just like to add that. No. No. Thanks. And that, that's a good point, Steve. You know, when you go back and you talk about. Um, Okay, seatbelt usage, for example. And if you're a regular listener to this program, you, you know that I'm just death on seatbelt usage. I mean, I think it's, I, I, we, we have done multiple topics over the last 20 plus years where, and I understand there's always somebody who calls up and says, well, I know somebody who knows somebody who had a cousin who had a brother. And if they'd been wearing a seatbelt and they were involved in this particular accident, they would, they'd be dead, but they're not. And, and I appreciate that there is anecdotal evidence like that. At the same time that, you know, there, there's no question. That, you know, for example, if you're driving an automobile and you're wearing a seatbelt and you're involved in a collision, your chances of surviving or being um, significantly less injured are exponentially better if you're wearing the seatbelt. And I understand there might be that one occasion in, in a million where it's a different story. But but the reality is you look at all this auto safety stuff that we have built into cars, and it's all kind of tied in together, and it starts with, again, the seatbelt and the shoulder harness. And just, again, that intuitively, just like the cell phone thing makes sense to me, Okay, if you're if you got that thing out, if you're driving with one hand and you're talking on the cell phone, that – that is something that makes it again less likely. You're more likely to be distracted. Same thing with the seatbelt. You know, if you're involved in a collision at 35 miles an hour and you're getting thrown through the cabin of the car, okay, chances are more likely that you are going to be seriously injured. But getting back to the, the point, if you if you want to talk about kids, you know, if you look at the number one thing that, that drives seatbelt usage among kids when they become drivers, it's whether or not mom and dad use their seatbelts. And I think the same thing might be true with uh, cell phones. Tom in Hartford. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. Real well, thank you. Is it time to okay. uh, is it time to just, again, say mandatory hands-free? Overdue. Okay. Way overdue. I, I'll give you an example. This last week, uh, I'm, I like to say I live in Hartford, and you, you probably know Highway 60. I do. Well, Highway 60 from 41 to the city of Hartford is a 45-50 speed zone. I was driving behind a car, and I thought, I told my wife, she was there, said, look at this. I said, is it drunk or what? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really tell. I couldn't see any phone. So I said, I'm going to get around her. She was in left lane, too, in fact. I'm going to get around her, and look, here's a young girl. She's texting. Right, which is illegal I, already. Yeah, she's illegal already. I, I, 
rolled down the window and I shook my hand at her <laughs> and she put it down, you know. Right. But I said, my God, what are you doing? And you're in the left lane too yet. Right. right. Now keep going. About 50. Yeah, no, thank, thanks. So now, now you, you do indirectly raise one of the other issues that comes up with this, which is the, the whole question of, of enforcement. Like I say, it's against the law, like you were pointing out, it's against the law to text, you know, while you're driving. And yet we know that lots and lots of people do text while they drive. And the truth of the matter is it, it's, it's tough for, it's tough for law enforcement to catch people who are doing that. So, you know, one of the arguments is if, if we don't if we don't have enough police out there right now to catch the people that are running the, the red lights in the stolen cars and are driving drunk and are blowing through stop signs and are driving 90 and 45 mile zones, does it make any sense to you know pass another law which says you, you got to operate the, the phones hands free? And I appreciate that there is some validity to that argument. At the same time, though, I, I will tell you, I do I. Do as you say, Jeff, not as you do. Do I, um, I, I don't always use the hands-free feed. I've got hands-free in my car. You, you could do it. I, I don't do it a lot of times. I, I just don't. I don't talk on my phone that much when I drive. It's just not something I, I choose to do. Um, and, and I just, I don't do it all the time. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I, I don't. If it was against the law, well, then I do it all the time. I mean, if, if the law said you had to do it, I guarantee that's the point in time where I would become completely hands-free. And my guess is, enforcement or not, a lot of people would be like that. Okay, this is what the law is, so let's go ahead and do it. Larry in Green Bay. Larry, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Larry. Um, the National Safety Council says that about 26% of all car accidents involve cell phones. Mm-hmm. I think we should ban them altogether. I mean, we lived just fine before cell phones. Yeah, well, yeah, but that's like saying, you know, we, we lived just fine before we had furnaces, and we lived just fine before we had cars. Now, I, 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 now, necessities, but a cell phone is not a necessity to take a call while you're driving. Well, I, I mean, okay, I, I see, I, okay, I, and I, I get it. I understand what you're saying, but I, I don't think we're willing – I don't think we're ever going to be able to turn back the clock that much. I mean, the truth is, yes, there, there's people who get on their cell phones and there's people who just kind of, you know, chat idly. But there's other people, including my guess is a, a lot of people who are listening to this radio show right now who are – who conduct business. I mean, cell phones have been a godsend for for business people. So, you know, you're you're a salesperson or you're driving from one appointment to another and instead of it just being completely and totally dead time for that 35 minutes or whatever, you're on the phone, you're checking your messages, you're you know, you're doing business. I guess I I understand that the talking on the phone period, hands-free or otherwise can be a distraction. I I don't think that you're ever going to be able to turn back the clock though and get people to support going back to a time where we're, we're just not going to allow any sort of cell phone usage in a car. To me, what makes the most sense is figuring out a way to, uh, again, recognize you've got this modern technology and recognize that people want to be connected and recognize that people are, in fact, going to be on their cell phones. But yet, given that reality, what is the most common sense way to do it? I just, I I don't see us going to a full prohibition. I think we're too far the, the other way. And the truth of the matter is, most people, most, not all, but most people are able to multitask, and you can talk on a cell phone, particularly hands-free, without endangering the general public. Still got to pay attention, no question about it. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, I felt very bad for one of our teammates, one of our colleagues, Jane Matinair, who, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I just absolutely adore Janie. So yeah, I, yeah, me too. Okay, so I pull in this morning. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 did you hear the story? I know what you're going to say, yeah. I, I, I just, my, it's, it's like, okay. You got to you got to figure out oh, no. either either things go better mm-hmm. on a Monday morning. It either gets better or it kind of gets worse. So I pull in and I was I was I was really good. I, I woke up early this morning and I went to the gym early and worked out and then got stuff ready. And then I ran a couple errands and was taking care of things. And so I get to work about ten eh, fifteen ish, which is a little bit late. But there's Jane Matinair standing outside our gate. Looking outside the, the gate, the enclosed gate that we go to, to go mm-hmm. in, looking kind of forlorn. Do you know the story, Grew? Yeah. Okay. So, and um, and I said, Jane, what, what are you doing? And then she points over to oh, her car. Yeah. And she was driving down down the war zone, both literally and figuratively, that is Capitol Drive at 420 this morning. Capital right in and, that construction area. Right, Capitol and Port. She thinks she hit a nail major tire blowout boom her passenger side tire and it's like exploded it's not just this isn't just flat it's like in pieces she told me that it um had sliced her car or her tire open that's what the guy told her so it wasn't oh. like it wasn't like a nail in your tire. It literally oh, it was, yeah. blew out. Yeah, because because then she's a whoop, and you know and she that thought was it was it. like a gunshot, and so she was, was able to limp it down here, and and she was just like reciting this all this list of different things that she had to do, and oh. I actually felt bad. And if I was a better person, I would have perhaps offered to help. But I, I just I was coming to work. It was like I you know yeah I, I can't help you. And she told me she was waiting for whatever towing the company guy, was coming yeah. to to fix that. But I'm thinking, okay, well, no matter. And of course, she's coming Aww. to work at some just ungodly hour of the. It's like, like it's like four twenty in the morning. Yeah. Boom, you know, it, and and that happens. So, did you have a nice weekend? Did you do stuff in Wisconsin this weekend? I did. Yes, I did. So, I went to a movie. I went to that, um, Bill. Uh, Bill. What was his name? I'm. I'm like. I, like I don't my, know. I didn't go. <laughs> my brain just like a brain fart right now. Uh, Brad Pitt. I'm gonna like Bill. Oh, the, the, I don't know uh, oh, Bill. the Quentin Tarantino movie. No, I, I actually saw that when I saw the one. He's the astronaut. Oh, um, Ed um, Astor. I, yeah, Astor or Astra, right. Astra. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I saw that movie. You know, I called him Bill. Uh, Brad Pitt. He was really good in the movie. It's a sci-fi thriller. Uh-huh. I would give it. I don't. I'm not really huge in sci-fi thrillers, so I would give it a seven or eight out of a ten. Um. I still really liked it, even though that's not necessarily my genre. It was good. A few parts in there were a little faky. That's the only thing that kind of threw me off a little bit. But Well, see, Gru and I, I mean, I, I had the quintessential Wisconsin weekend. Cause What'd Fri- you do? Yeah. Friday night, went to the ball game. You know, went to the went to the Brewers game. had a had a great time. Matter of fact, a lot of WTMJ and ESPN people were were there. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, actually, my I, I was with I was with my buddy Evan in our regular seats, and she was with the WTMJ crowd up in the the other seat. So mm-hmm. I, I stopped off and said hello there. Um, and then Saturday night. Saturday night, you got to do this Oktoberfest. We went to Oktoberfest oh, nice. in Glendale to Bavarian Inn, mm-hmm. and it was just a, a, a blast. There is actually somewhere floating around. There is a video <laughs> oh, of yeah. my wife doing because uh, doing dancing. You know, these giant yeah. like German line dances and stuff. And one of her friends sends her this note says, "Fran, is that you?" And she said, "I had no idea how I got on camera doing that, but we had just a blast." Gru was there. We didn't run into each oh, other. Oh, really? But you were there? there too. I was in the line. Yeah, I was oh. dancing. I didn't see Fran, but I was in that line. 
line somewhere. Well, I, I think there were multiple lines probably, yeah, probably. over time. But yeah, that was, so that was so Oktoberfest. Oh, that's and so then, nice. Then of course you had the Packers game yesterday and all. So it's it's there's there's a lot of bottom line is there's just a lot of stuff to do in the fall around here. Fall Sometimes, is my favorite. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Sometimes too much to do, but just a lot of great opportunities. Oktoberfest go. Oh, and then Saturday morning we did the wheel and sprocket e bike ride. Oh yeah, how did that go? I was going to well, ask you. I, I you know because I took that bad fall, I can't ride. Oh, no. bec- but I but I was there and a lot of people well, showed up. And, you have the e bike. Can't you just electron well, like put it on? Well, okay, you have electric to all the you, way? You've seen some of my bruises, yeah. and there's also one large bruise on my keister oh. that makes. It very difficult. Clearly, I didn't see that one. Right, did not see that one. It makes it a little bit. It makes it more than oh, a little yeah. bit difficult to sit on a on a bicycle for fifteen miles. But we just had a had a great time. So all sorts of great stuff, and it was a great Wisconsin sports weekend. So check out Oktoberfest. You got to think one I more will. week for that. That's out there. Yeah. All right, let us switch gears. Here is the story. It, the way it works is there is a minimum wage for people to be paid. But if you work in certain industries, like let's say you are a waiter or a waitress, you work in a service industry where you get tips, well, the, the, a different rule applies. In Wisconsin, um, the minimum wage for people who work in industries where you get tips, so for the sake of our discussion, let's talk about the servers in a restaurant. It's $2.33 an hour. That's the minimum wage. And the way the law works is if after you get tipped, you're making less than seven and a quarter an hour, well, then the employer has to make up the difference. So let's say, you know, you're, you're working at a place and it's a really slow week and you, you don't make much in tips. You're, you're guaranteed at least seven and a quarter an hour, but you can do substantially better. All right. Here's here's what they're considering doing in Chicago. In Chicago, they are and that's that's how they operate in Chicago too. There's a, you know, there's the minimum there's the minimum wage for you know people who get tips, and then there's like a floor that it has to be so much. What they are considering doing in in Chicago is raising the minimum wage for servers to fifteen dollars an hour. So as a result, even if you're tipped, you're forget you will be treated just like everybody else forget the keeping track of your tips and you know having the floor the bottom line is you would get at least fifteen dollars an hour now on the one hand that that's good because you're going to get fifteen dollars an hour on the other hand it means at least some people who work in the the restaurant industry are concerned that that means that people if they know that folks who are working as waiters or waitresses, if they know that now they're substantially less dependent on tips, gratuities for their income, that they're going to start tipping a lot less. And they're concerned that the restaurants might have to raise prices to make up the difference. So you follow me? Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. I am curious, both from the perspective of customers and the perspective of servers would would this be a good thing would you like to see the minimum wage increased so okay so you know the server is making 15 bucks an hour but all right the flip side is you know the server is making 15 bucks an hour so maybe you don't feel as inclined to say okay i'm going to tip 15 percent or i'm going to tip 20 percent 
414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My general sense is this is not an idea that would be popular with either the general public or with waiters and waitresses because I think the concern would be, hey, especially if you're good at what you do, if it's, while it's nice to have that $15 an hour floor, I think it might make some people feel less less inclined to be perhaps as generous with their tips. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So from a customer's perspective and particularly a server perspective, if you work in that the hospitality industry, you know, higher minimum wage, but maybe an effect, maybe a dramatic effect on your gratuities. Would you like to see something like this happen? Let's start with Will in Oconomowoc. Will, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. Is this a good idea? Um, I think it's bad policy. This is um, anecdotal evidence, but in the summers I work at a lakeside bar and I make upwards of 30 plus an hour on like a normal day. Right, and th- that's that's by when you add in your tips. Yeah. So right, right. Plus tips. Usually I don't even factor my wage into how much I make because it's just puke compared to how much I make in tips. Right. So what I so restaurants operate on um, razor thin margins, and so if they're going to be forced to pay servers $15 an hour, that's going to mean like way higher prices on food. People are going to be eating out less, I think. Um, right. What I'm not sure about is is whether people are going to tip or not still. Yeah, I see, I guess, I know one of the, I think, and again, this is just my reaction to this, I think people will tip less because I think one of the things that drives a lot of tipping is the notion that, hey, the, the, the server's, they rely on their tips to, you know, to, to make a living and stuff like that. I think if, if people knew that there was a, a higher wage, don't get me wrong, minimum wage is minimum wage. I, I'm not saying that people are going to get rich on that, but I think they, I think you'd be moving more towards a model in Europe where, you know, there's, there's very little tipping. People are just paid their salaries and, and that's, that's what they get. I think, and I think most servers wouldn't like that. I think that's interesting, but the service industry in Europe is very different than here. Waiters in there don't really wait on you. I mean, when they come around, you got to order because they are not waiting for you. They're doing their job. They're not as nice to you. They're not, you know, like caring hmm. after you like servers do here. So you might see a shift in like customs here if you do yeah. that. Could I mean, thanks for call. Could could be. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just. I just. Maybe it depends on where you are in Europe. I mean, I. I just got back from Europe and um, mo- most of it. We, we ate a lot on the ship, but to the extent that we we were eating in some of like the local bistros and restaurants from time to time, I, I think you you had you had a lot of the the waiters and waitresses who were I mean that was that was kind of their career. It really wasn't so much of a part time job. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right, here's a text, Jeff. If the minimum wage goes up to fifteen dollars an hour and that's what they're paid, I doubt that I'm going to tip at all. Um, okay, Jeff, they might have their prices. Menu prices go up, and the 17% tip would reflect that, too. Diners might get scared off by the total sticker shock. Um, 414-799-1620. Uh, hi, Jeff. I'm a bartender, part-time, and adding in tips, I make about 15 to $20 an hour, but the minimum would probably cover people that don't tip as well. I think we should move to the European version. And again, I, I don't know that people feel that way. Let's talk to Mike in Kenosha. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, hi, Mike. My daughter 
my, my daughter worked her way through college as a waitress. She made good money because she hustled hard. And I had this conversation with her this morning when I heard about Chicago. Right. And uh, we both agree it's a bad idea because people like her won't have to work as hard to make the same kind of money. Um, I think that you'll see productivity go down or the services will go down. Mm-hmm. And people are going to be very unhappy and stop going to certain establishments. Well, and I also think... Um, I mean, again, look, I appreciate it. It perhaps depends on, on exactly the place that you're working. But, um, if you're a good server in the right type of place, you, you can make a lot of money. You know, if you're, if you're hustling yeah. and you've got a degree of personality and your, your daughter probably can tell that story. I mean, if you're, if you're a great employee yeah. and you're in the right setting, you, you can make a pretty darn good living. Yeah, interesting. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. We continue this conversation in just a moment. Uh, they're seriously in Chicago. They're thinking about raising the minimum wage for quote unquote tipped employees to $15 an hour. Some of the tipped employees are going, wait a second. You know, th- this sounds good, but you know, maybe at the end of the day, th- this, this will hurt us. Could that be the case? We continue in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> So, very glad to have you with us. Let's talk to Robert in West Bend. Hi, Robert. Yeah, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I work in the service industry, and um, I work really hard at it uh, to make sure everybody really has a good time. So, I make well over $15 an hour, and I think what's going to happen with these situations are people that run restaurants are ending up, if they got to pay $15 an hour, are going to hire a lot fewer servers. Mm Mm-hmm. And the quality of the service will go down as well because the people who are not good at this to begin with are even going to care less. Right. So the quality of the service you get is going to be terrible. Plus, cost of food will go up. You know. Oh and, yeah, it's uh, going. No, I mean, that, that that has to come from somewhere. There's no question about it. And if you're making the employers pay for it, they they've got to do one of two things. They've either got to raise prices or they've got to cut staff. You're, you're right. There's no other way it can go. Because good servers can make two to three hundred dollars a night just in tips, you mm-hmm. know, if you work in the right places. And um, so, I, this is a terrible idea, typical of trying to legislate um, better money for for people. And I, I know their maybe their hearts in the right place, but the results are not going to be what people think. Yeah. Do you think, in general, people will be if people knew that? Okay, you're you're getting fifteen bucks an hour or whatever that number is, as opposed to depending on your tips. I mean, I just think, at least it strikes me, I think people are going to be less inclined to tip 15 or 20 or 25%. They're going to cut back on their tips. That's just human nature. I think most of them will just thank you gracefully and walk away and give you nothing, you know, because they know you're getting good money to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. No. Because part of the reason tips are are strong is because they know we're getting a nominal pay for what we do. Right. I See, I I mean, thanks. I mean, I I agree completely. Now, we've had this conversation before. Again, I I doubled back to what we were talking about a minute ago with, with Europe, where, I mean, in many places in Europe, not all places, but in many places in Europe, you you don't tip. Uh, you the the gratuity is included in the price of the meal. That that's just just how it works. And if you've had exceptional service, maybe you you round up. So let's say I don't know your your meal is twenty one. Your, your meal is 24 euros, and so you put out a 25 euros, and, and maybe if you think the service has been really good, you let them keep the extra euro. I mean, that that's kind of how it works, but tipping 
in many places in Europe is not expected. And as a matter of fact, if you do tip 10 or 15 percent, well, then you're kind of looked at like the stupid American. Again, because the salaries, the wages that are paid, the the staff are supposed to be, you know, job, it's a career, it's supposed to be job sustaining. You're not supposed to depend on, again, the gratuities. Now, that's great because it guarantees you, again, the, against the floor. But what it does is it takes away your ability to, you know, have have those big nights where, gee, I, you know, I made 300 bucks a night or whatever. I think they should be go, I think they should go really careful on this. Just really, really careful. Well intended. Let's try to make people better off. But I think this is another one where you might have some unintended consequences. And clearly, I don't think we're ready for this in Wisconsin. And I'd certainly, before we did it, I, I'd want to get a lot of input from the servers, the people that this would actually dramatically affect. Because my guess is a lot of them would say, no, I, I think let's just go with the current system. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, ladies, you can listen in, but it is a topic for men only, at least in this context. It is something that men will relate to perhaps more. Now, Gru, this doesn't relate to you because you got a beard. You do not shave. You avoid that daily thing that people like me go through. Yeah, um, mine's, mine's getting long, though. I'll probably have a trim tomorrow. All right, got, okay, you got to, but you don't, you don't shave. Now, I, I, I have never had a beard because um, various... My first wife and my current wife don't, my late wife and my current wife don't like beards. Um, at least they don't like beards on me. So that was never going to happen. Secondly, um, I've gotten to the point where I, I can grow a decent beard, but it comes in white. And why you, you know, and I mean, it makes me look 10 years older than I, I, I am, or maybe it makes me look my age or whatever. But I mean, what, you know, what, why do you want to look 10 years older if, if you don't have to? And, and secondly, I just, I can, I can never get past the scruffy sort of stuff. So you, you take the, the woman in your life who doesn't like it and, and then you add all the other stuff. So I, sh- I shave every morning. Now, I have never, ever, ever liked the electric razors. I understand that some people do. I, I've never done that. So I'm, I'm kind of the old fashioned guy and I come out with the shaving cream and stuff like that. But what got me thinking about this is there, there is. It goes back to the category of everything that, that's old is is new again. Big story in the front page of the Wall Street Journal, talking about the renaissance in what they call safety razors. Now, safety razors are that that's kind of a euphemism because um, safety razors are the things that your grandpa used to use or maybe your great grandpa used to use you know it used to be that you know back in the day when men shaved they'd have those straight razors like they used to have maybe they still do at some barber shops and things like that the only reason they they call safety razors is because the the old straight razors were basically like a you know um you know blade on skin the the safety razors are simply taking a straight razor and putting a handle on it i mean that that's essentially what what this is but you really got to know what you're doing if you're going to do this because if you don't press hard enough you don't get a good shave if you press too hard well you cut yourself and you end up bleeding and all those different types of things um, so th- they fell out of favor 
for the longest period of time because people just decided, hey, I want to I want to go with the double and triple and quadruple blades and I want the strip and all those types of things. And I, I also want to be able to shave in the morning and do it fast without cutting my, my face and looking like, you know, I, I've gone I've stuck my face into a, a blender or something like that. So for years and years and years, the, these straight razors, or the safety razors fell out of favor. They are making a big comeback. And the story in the Wall Street Journal today talks about how particularly more and more younger people are are going back to, you know, the the way people shaved in the early 1900s. The idea that, hey, you know, this is shaving is going to be not something that you just do, but shaving is going to be something that you really enjoy. And you sit there and, you you know, you spend all this time and you you, you put on the, the lubricant and then you shave it once and then you shave it again, et cetera, et cetera. Now, part of that sounds romantic to me, but as far as doing it in the bathroom on a regular basis, day in, day out, I just, I don't have an interest in it. And I understand, I'm kind of iffy, you know, with the regular, you know, multi-blade ultras or something. I am just trying to imagine getting anywhere near one of these straight razor types of things. And my guess is, well, I'd have to be digging out Band-Aids or styptic pencils or whatever. And yet the story says that this is making a comeback. And more and more people are starting to use these. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One of the things that drives this is, of course, the fact that they're they're cheap. You know, you, you, you don't have to, I mean, these modern blades, you know, you're talking three, four bucks a, a razor blade, and you can go through those pretty darn quickly. You know, you get the old safety razor, and, you know, your cost of shaving drops dramatically. I'm still not convinced, though, that this is something that, well, I just don't know that a lot of people are willing to go back to the future on this one. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, men and grooming. Here's the question. All right, are you do you are you willing to make this move back? More and more people, particularly young people, are going back to the old, you know, the the straight razors and the, the so-called safety razors, the way our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents might have shaved in the morning. I don't see this happening, but I am willing to have the discussion. 4147991620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. All right, is this the latest hip and trendy retro thing or I don't know. Just too tough. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Fall in Love with Your Home Showcase is Serta Pro Painters. That's Serta with a C. Serta Pro Painters say, we do painting, you do life. I, I love our, our text line on, on this issue. Big story on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. The headline is, men pick up grandpa's razor for a close shave, too close. And they're talking about how more and more people, men, are rebelling against paying like $4 for a shaving blade. And so what they're doing is they're going back to, I don't know, the, this type of quote-unquote safety razors that they used in World War I. Uh, not, not 
me. Uh, let's see. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Jeff, they offered safety razors at Duluth Trading Company's website. Tried it, hated it. Um, went back to modern technology. Um, let's see. Jeff, hate the electric razors like you do. Use a three blade cartridge. It's one of my favorite ones. Jeff, unless I'm shaving with a Rambo knife, the cool factor doesn't justify the time and the danger. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of it too. I mean, with all due respect, I want to. You know, in in the morning, I got a lot of stuff going on, and I want to just kind of get ready for work. And then kind of uh, the last thing I need is like 15 minutes to try to, like, go through the shaving thing. It's just like sort of get it done. Now, what a number of people are saying is that, Jeff, you really owe it to yourself to to go get a professional shave with a hot towel and stuff like that. And that's a whole different story. I mean that 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 that's a whole different story going with a professional and something like that. I I've had that done on occasion and I highly recommend that as well, but you know, you're you're not going to have the barber that comes into your house on a daily basis and gives you the hot towel and gives you the great shave. If you can do that to treat yourself, I'm I'm down with that completely, but you can't do that to treat yourself very often. Anyways, if you want to see more about this story, men pick up grandpa's razor for a close shave, too close. Check it out, the Wall Street Journal front page today. There is a story, and I think you're going to be seeing more and more of these types of stories involving the tension between, we'll we'll call them homeless, we'll call them bums, whatever you want to call them, and, and business owners. And it's more of a more of a problem as the cities are being overrun. You know, in Milwaukee, we have this huge problem where you have the ever-expanding tent city and you know that the mayor has kind of just turned his back on and allowed this to happen and it's growing and it's growing and uh, they're going to take care of it before the Democratic National Convention I, I guarantee you my point has been if you're not going to let it be here for the DNC why are we letting it be here for uh, in general as long as it's been but that that's all a cosmetic sort of issue but what you're finding is in a lot of urban areas that are being taken over by homeless people businesses are starting to fight back and one of my favorite stories of of the day involves this McDonald's in Sacramento now we have a problem with homelessness here but it's it it pales in comparison to what you have on the west coast because you got two things going on in a lot of big cities in the west coast Portland Los Angeles San Francisco um etc etc first of all you have governments that are very quote unquote homeless friendly we we don't want to crack down on on people being on the streets that's number 1 and number 2 you've got a climate that you know allows people essentially to live outside if if they want you know for the entire year well all right it's a huge problem and so what's going on is there's a, a there's a story out today about this McDonald's of all places in Sacramento and i was watching the news report on this and what What's going on at this McDonald's is you have you have homeless people who are camped out in the entrances to the McDonald's, you know, where like an overhang. You have homeless people who are sitting in the drive through lane at the McDonald's. So, you know, if you are pulling up to get your Big Mac or whatever, you've got to kind of navigate around the homeless people who are hanging out in the drive through lane. Now, the business is understandably a little bit upset with this because they're concerned that this is going to discourage business. So what they've done is next to, like, the drive-through window where you pick up your food, 
what they do is they have a siren, and the siren emits this screech that, that's out there. Now, the, the screech, if you are in your car and you're waiting to get your Egg McMuffin or whatever, the screech would be annoying. The idea, though, is, okay, you'll put up with that for the, the minute or two or three or however long it takes you to get to the front to get your, your food. They're hoping that the screech will discourage the homeless people from hanging out and standing around outside the entrance. That was their idea. Um, unfortunately, apparently, th- this isn't this isn't happening at all. What's happening is it's gonna it's discouraging customers from going through there. But as far as the homeless people are saying, they're like, well, you know, we don't care. They can screech. They can play classical music. They can do whatever. You know, we like to camp out in the drive-through window. Problem with this is again. If you're going to have a city that survives, you can't allow giant homeless encampments to set up up, uh, under freeway bridges. You can't allow people to occupy public sidewalks. You can't allow people to block the entrances to stores because sooner or later, people are going to stop patronizing those stores and the businesses are going to go out of business. And then you're going to have nothing left but homeless people. Got to get control of it. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.